Hello, everybody. It's Andrew Cavanaugh, Pareto Health, and welcome to another edition of 8020 with Pareto Health. Today, I have the pleasure of replacing Andrew Clayton uh, with a guest host. So joining me today is Ashley Hull. Welcome to the show, Ashley. Nice to be here. So uh, what did you do to get Clayton to quit? Did he decide he had a better face for TV? Let's not get into how much I paid the producers to get Clayton off the show. Uh, we'll come back to that a little bit later, but let's focus on a couple of things. First, we're going to change our typical order. Normally, we start with a little bit of knowledge, and then we do an interview with uh, a colleague or a guest, and then we do the So You Know They're a Knucklehead session. Uh, but our producers tell me that everybody is listening to 70% of our podcasts, and so they're missing maybe the most important thing, which is where we make fun of people or things. And so we're going to flip the order today, Ash. So we're going to start with uh, making fun of things. So we'll start with Knucklehead. Then we'll do the interview, um, and then at the end, we'll do a little bit of knowledge drops. How's that sound? Sounds great. As long as there's no more lobotomy talk, I think I can handle this. Well, I'm hoping you've done your part here, which is that if you're doing a good impersonation of Clayton, I hope you are completely unprepared, um, haven't read anything in advance, and are just going to completely wing it, uh, because that's really the, the way that Clayton likes to roll on these things. I think that's manageable. Today, we're talking about PBMs, we're talking about pharmacy um, plans, we're talking about form layers, we're talking about RX. So our knucklehead is straightforward, Ash. It's this. You know they're a knucklehead when they opt for the big PEPM savings off their TPAPs as opposed to getting a good PBM plan. So that's what it is. That's the sort of dramatic statement. You know they're a knucklehead. If they take the 30 bucks off the, the TPA fee, it seems like a great deal. Why is it not a great deal? Why are they a knucklehead when that's the case? So when I think of PBM, when I think of health insurance carrier, I don't normally think of goodwill. They're not generally in the business of altruism. So when you think about them giving or overextending on a fixed credit or rebate credit to offset an admin fee, and it seems really large, well, my thought is, well, then how much money are they really making? So, you know, taking that as like a broker hitting the easy button. So same, same brokers probably have 80% of their business fully insured. And as Clayton likes to say, fully insured, F-O-O-L-Y. That's maybe the most creative Clayton has been in the last uh, 48 years or however long he's been around. So let's seize through it. What happens? You opt for the big discount and you give up all hope of control over the PBM. So what are the key things that somebody gives up? So I think the key thing is is transparency and visibility. So, you know, if you're if you're accepting the the PBM contract from the carrier, then you are you're not getting any guarantees at the client level. So first of all, you're being pulled in with the rest of their book of business, which is generally never a good thing. The second thing on the on the in the lines of transparency, you have no visibility into your contract. So you have no idea, you know, what guarantees are in place and if you've met them. Um, you have no idea really what you're paying um, for the drugs that your your plan participants are using. And so you're just really in the dark. So you're cutting a check and have no idea where those those funds are going. So let's maybe keep it simple. If someone wants to get out of um, knucklehead purgatory relative to their PBM contract, the things they could do are easy, right? They could say, okay, quantify what the rebates are going to be. You're giving me 30 bucks or 40 bucks off my fee. What are the rebates worth? Second is probably ask, can I control formulary? Um, far be it from a PBM to uh, insist on a certain formulary that creates more rebates if they're getting all the rebates. And then transparency. Uh, we want to see the contract, want to see what the definition is of a generic versus a brand because there's obviously games that can be played in that way. So uh, that's our knucklehead segment for today. 
Uh, don't just take the easy button and take the 30, 40 bucks off a TPA fee uh, without doing the real work because you're probably not helping your client at all. And therefore, you're a knucklehead. Today, we're thrilled to be joined by Rashawn Reed. Rashawn is a clinical pharmacist and part of the team here at Pareto Health. Rashawn has over 20 years of experience in a uh, multiple different environments within healthcare, including retail pharmacy, pharmacy compliance, um, insurance authorization, most recently part of, part of our effort to help drive down the cost of prescription drugs for the captive members. So Rashawn, thrilled to have you. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here today. So Ashley and I will probably pass this back and forth, but I'll start with the first one. Would love to hear um, how you got into the industry. Well, originally, I was, I've was i always been strong in biology, chemistry, and math, and originally wanted to be a, a physician, an anesthesiologist to be exact. But after the six long years of pharmacy school, decided maybe we'll just stop at pharmacy and pursue other avenues within pharmacy. So that's what I did went into retail pharmacy. And while I was doing retail pharmacy, got my MBA because pharmacy is a business and enjoyed that aspect of it. So did a lot of retail pharmacy, then went into PBMs as well as clinical pharmacy and a little bit of sales, unusual sales. One of the questions I often ask is, how do you describe your job at a cocktail party? Um, So would love to hear that. Um, I oversee the prior authorizations for uh, high cost medications. So not sure a the people get not a drug dealer. Well, sometimes I do say I'm I'm a licensed drug de- dealer. Matter of fact, I have a sweatshirt that I wear around my kids. It says I'm a licensed drug de- dealer, and they get so embarrassed about that. <laughs> that is awesome. I'm noticing a theme at these. Uh, are are the people that we interview don't want to be very talkative at cocktail parties? They find every reason to avoid conversation. They must be hanging out with you, Kavanaugh. We're going to have a great uh, end of the se- end of the podcast season party. We're going to get everyone together, and all six of us are going to sit in a room and not talk. So, Rashawn, uh, can you tell us why physicians are so frequently prescribing expensive, often unaffordable medications, and kind of your take on how we get how we've arrived at this place? The reason why is that physicians have absolutely no clue as to how much medications cost. They look at the knowledge base, and if they have a great pharmaceutical sales representative coming in to vet them, then they're going to sell that particular product for that particular disease state. So it really is about educating the physician to let him or her know that there are other medications out there that might be less expensive. There's many times I've called on physicians to say, do you know how much this medication is? It's very expensive, and it may or may not be covered by their plan had the member tried this. And it's like, oh, no. And I was like, well, it's half the price. And they're like, oh, well, I wasn't aware of that. So it really is about educating, educating, educating the physician so they're aware of the cost of medications. Do you ever wish that you could call them a knucklehead when you're on the phone? All the time. I might have every once in a while under my breath. So, Rashawn, one of the roles that you play here at Pareto Health is to help our captive members um, save money um, around the PBM, around uh, specialty drugs. And I know at the member meetings, we've talked about the, literally the millions of dollars that you've been able to save the captive members. Are there a couple of particular instances that stand out as memorable to you? Maybe one big dollar amount and maybe one that just meant a lot to you on a personal basis more than economic. <laughs> 
One prescription was for a little boy who was having seizures and the medication was stable. And one of the qualifications on the clinical criteria for that medication is that the patient has um, eye visits to the doctor every six months. The patient was not having that and the doctor was still prescribing it. So I made a phone call to the doctor to make sure that he was having his eyes checked every six months so that he would not go blind, which could be a, a side effect of the medication. So Rashawn, how does something like that happen? There's obviously no malice. It's just dotting I's and crossing T's, but incredibly important I's and T's. And I didn't even intend to do it, but there's a pun on I's right there. So how does that happen in today's in today's you know data-driven world? Well, the PBMs have clinical criteria that they're looking at on particular drugs to make sure that different things are met. For example, labs are done. Um, the diagnosis is correct. The dosage is correct. And if you overlook that, then that could ha- that could be how the mistake can occur. That's why it's great that uh, Pareto has me on board. So I'm that second set of eyes looking at those prescriptions or those prior authorizations to make sure that everything is being adhered to. When you think about you know the, all the scripts that you've reviewed since joining Pareto, are there are there certain things that you see often or patterns in terms of that? clinical criteria not being met? A lot of it has to do with the PBMs not changing over or requesting a generic for medications or biosimilar for a medication. So if you think about, you know, the the consultant, the employer community, what's one thing that you wish that they knew? Um, I wish they knew about alternative funding. For example, there's copay cards out there, patient assistance programs, and international sourcing that's available for a lot of specialty drugs. Okay. And can you just explain maybe when you talk about, you know, copay assistance and, and how is that different from, you know, GoodRx or maybe is that the same? Can you just talk a little bit about what those programs can do? Well, the patient assistance programs helps people that have no insurance or underinsured, and that's being managed by the pharmaceutical companies or nonprofit organization or government agencies. So with the PAP programs, their costs are fully covered or the majority of it is covered versus a coupon card. They're by the manufacturer as well, but they help people afford the expensive prescriptions by lowering their out-of-pocket costs. So if you got to choose one knucklehead thing, when you see something in the industry where someone's a knucklehead, what would what would you choose? Um, I would choose brand to generic drugs. To give you an example, um, prescription by the name of Epclusa, which is for hepatitis C, has a generic available for it that is actually made by the same manufacturer that makes the brand. The brand drug for a 12-week course costs about $75,000. And for the generic, made by the same manufacturer off the same line costs about $25,000 for that 12-week treatment. Yeah, I'd say that's knucklehead worthy, right? You're spending 75 grand, you could be spending 25 grand, 50 grand savings, even I can do that math. So Rashawn, we appreciate you being here today. Probably have you back on uh, some of these future episodes, but uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. The last segment in today's episode 
is where we're going to try to drop a little knowledge. So Ashley, today we're going to talk a little bit about specialty drugs. You know a lot about this. I know very little. I know they often say explain it to um, as if you're talking to a fifth grader. Pretend you're explaining it to Clayton. Um, and if and if he could understand it, then then I'm positive our audience we understand it. So specialty drugs, top concern for almost anybody who is self-insured. Frequency of them is going up. The cost of them is going up. It means the total cost is going up. So why are we have more drugs? When you think about the the cost drivers, there's really three main buckets, and you and you touched on it. So cost will increase because we either have more people taking a drug or the unit cost of that drug has increased, or sometimes both. So let's start with with the number of drugs that are in that quote-unquote specialty class. So we're seeing more and more dollars from pharmaceutical companies being uh, allocated to development of these drugs. They're highly profitable. You see the dark cloud of depression on TV or Phil Mickelson peddling a drug, and people see them, and they somehow avoid the all the side effects, including death, and just focus on the fact that it's going to you know, heal their woes. And so they go to their doctor, um, they ask for that drug. And, and so we have manufacturers just continuing to expand the pipeline and look for therapies to treat these conditions. The second thing is that we have uh, an expansion of indications. So what's an indication? Indication is the condition or the sickness, the disease that that drug is being treated. So where you have a specialty drug that originally might treat something like eczema, and it's expanded then to treat asthma, well, now you're going to have a much larger population of people that are taking a specialty drug because you've expanded the approved use to a condition that impacts a lot more people. You get a drug approved for eczema. It has to pass the FDA's test of being both effective and safe. And that gets you sort of into the ballpark. Then you want to expand it to something like asthma, you just have to prove it's safe. And so these drugs come in under one avenue and then the manufacturers are trying to expand them as broadly as possible to as many uses as possible without necessarily showing that they're more effective or as effective as things that are already in the market. Is that all accurate? That is, that is accurate. And, and then you think and you consider how advanced we've become. So innovation and our ability to really understand the way drugs work has really you know, exceeded, outpaced our ability to appropriately reimburse for these treatments. So we understand these things. Probably one of the unintended consequences of COVID-19 is, is we have a better understanding of the, of the mechanism of drugs. And so things are moving through the pipeline much more quickly. Um, and so, you know, we've arrived at this place where we've got an explosion of, of specialty costs. Well, again, we could spend multiple episodes and maybe we will on, um, you know, some of the nuances around drugs and specialty drugs in particular, but I think we've done what we accomplished today, drop a little bit of knowledge and maybe, maybe leave the audience wanting more, maybe wanting more Ashley and less Clayton, but you know, we can let them decide that. So, um, Ash, thanks for joining in Clayton's stead today. Rashawn, thanks for being a part of it and look forward to seeing you again on the next episode of 8020 with Parade Health. Thanks for listening to today's episode of 8020 with Pareto Health. 
We love hearing from you. If you have a question or an episode suggestion, please drop us an email at 8020 at ParetoHealth.com. That's 8020 at ParetoHealth.com. Dive deeper into 8020 by visiting us at ParetoHealth.com slash podcast. Lastly, make sure you follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you don't miss an episode.